Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking dupe destinations, 401k leakage, and Matt's going to offer some dating advice. I'm going to state it for the record. I will not be providing dating advice. Oh, I, feel, I feel like I'm the last person you actually want dating advice from other than Joel Larsgaard. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like literally the worst two people on, on earth. I would love to see Like if you and I were friends in college, it's like the blind leading the blind. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I feel like I tricked Kate into marrying me. Like I still feel that at some point she's going to come to her senses. She also feels that way. And uh, she's going to realize, what have I done? I've been in some fever dream. <laughs> but now I've got four children, and I'm attached, and uh, nothing I can do about not it. Not going anywhere. No, but we are going to talk about some interesting data that might lead you to finding uh, somebody who you're compatible with that you might actually stick around for the long haul with. So, yeah, yeah I am looking forward and to it. it has to do with money, we promise. Okay, I want to share something, dude, that I actually accidentally stumbled upon uh, with my phone. So this is going to be a little tip for folks. Like most folks, uh, I feel like I'm in a constant power struggle as to who has control over the phone. Like, do the apps, do the algorithms have control over me as a person? Or is it myself, like my own will? I'm always trying to cut back on the amount of time I'm spending on my on my phone. And the other day, I was, I was like, man, I've got so many stu- stupid apps on here. Like apps I don't use, the ones that don't suck me in, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm, I'm just going to clean that up a little bit, delete some of these. I don't need, need to have these on my phone. And just by deleting a couple apps, what does that do on your iPhone when you delete an app? Everything shifts. The entire grid shifts oh. by even even if you just delete one app, the everything kind of moves around a little bit. And what I the muscle memory it was completely wiped away. I couldn't believe it because I was going just by default to where I know. Well, for me, it's like it's Zillow and Instagram. <laughs> Those are two that like suck me in, and I found myself with my little thumb going 
oh, wait a minute, it's not there anymore. And even just that slight break, like you said, in muscle memory was enough for me to reconsider and say to myself, well, do I actually want to go hunting for where that app actually is? Yeah. And I've, So instead of more Zillow, you accidentally ended up playing more Candy Crush. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm on uh, Feedly, my RSS reader, <laughs> which I, which is actually probably more healthy for me to be reading interesting stories that I want to learn more about. But I wanted to, to share that with folks because it's a little something that I almost, I mean, really inadvertently stumbled upon. But give it a shot if you're yeah. looking to kind of disrupt some of the the habits and the time, I guess, that you're spending on your smartphone. Something else that I tried a while back, Matt, that I really should reinstitute is grayscaling my phone. I did that. Oh, yeah, the and black it, and white, baby. Yeah, it just it just makes your phone that much less attractive, and so you're using it in a more utilitarian way. I, You know what? I'm going to try that this next you gonna week. You're going to do it? Yeah. You're, you're, you're inspiring me to make a change because <laughs> you're right. Like it, it feels sometimes like our phones run our lives, and I want to run my life. And exactly. Who's I, in charge here? Yeah. You? Or your device, right? I don't want to go back to the Razer flip phone, but I also don't want the you know the the smartphone in front of me well, hijacking is, my brain. There is so much utility that comes from it. I mean, just I, I swear, like the uh, Waze app. I love Waze, Waze. Yeah. like the ability to know. And I'm not trying to like optimize every. Was it Louis C.K.? Who uh, there's a comedian that's got uh, a whole bit about how he hates Waze. He's like, I don't want you to take me through the neighborhood. <laughs> just talking about how it's that's just probably sounds like him yeah. ruining society. But uh, there is a lot of utility, and so I totally agree. As much as I might be attracted to a bricked phone, like something that's totally dumb. Well, instead, are there ways that we can utilize the technology we have, but maybe just get a little bit smarter about resisting the urge to doom scroll, to yeah. go to shop, to spend money that you don't have? One good, things. one good book recommendation on this front, by the way, is Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism. If if you're like oh, yeah. hey, listening to this and you're like, I could use some of that in my I life. Bet, didn't he talked about grayscaling the phone? That's right. One of the, he is, had is a that lot of when recommendations. You originally tried it. That was uh, like, yeah. it was a couple of years ago or a few years ago now. And his book was so good, and I learned some stuff, and I've kind of digressed. So it's it's time to let's get back into it, man. Yeah, some of those things. So, uh, all right, Matt, let's move on. Let's get to the Friday flight. A quick sampling of stories we found interesting this week. There's a lot to cover here. Let's talk about in- inflation for a second. Those numbers came in just a little bit hotter than expected. They did, um, it, but they have been coming down overall, which is a good thing for individuals and families, right? Just more slowly than predicted. But over these past couple of years, let's, I, I kind of want to not talk about just inflation, but I want to talk about shrinkflation. This was kind of uh, over the Super Bowl weekend became a thing as the president weighed in on shrinkflation as well. And some folks have pointed out, by the way, that the CPI, it doesn't always reflect the reality on the ground because of shrinkflation. And, and, and also because of just delays in reporting, like for instance, housing prices, rent prices, those are reported on a delayed cycle. So we're not necessarily getting up to the minute data. And so shrinkflation has become this ever-present reality. The Wall Street Journal did a good job covering that this week. And so, for instance, when the container uh, reduces the number of ounces you get, but the price stays the same, the data isn't always reflected that instead Mm -hmm. of getting 16 ounces, you got 12 now. Or when an airline now charges you for a snack and soda or even for an assigned seat, uh, when that used to come included with the price of a ticket, that also is not getting included. So shrinkflation is one of those things we're all experiencing. We all know what's happening. But then the CPI, the the headline number, it's not perfect, right? And so it doesn't yeah. really reflect kind of the reality on the ground that, that all of us are experiencing. And I think that's why inflation maybe feels worse than the numbers that we're seeing. Yeah, you're getting less for more or you're getting less for the same price. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but another example of shrinkflation is streaming services, because uh, the Consumer Price Index data show that prices have gone up 2%, which doesn't sound all that, all that much. 
when we all know though that prices have gone up a lot more yeah. than that and it feels it feels like wait, wait, are you gaslighting are, me that's are not you true living in the same world <laughs> that i am yeah but this is because of the new inferior and the ad supported streaming options uh that have at least in the eyes of cpi mitigated those price increases it's a a pesky and pervasive phenomena and again yeah uh, president biden he tweeted about this and we talked about how politicians oftentimes it's more about signaling and pointing blame to things as opposed to actually i don't know in my opinion this is more of a pessimistic view actually make change and it's not that we don't disagree with the fact that shrinkflation is having an impact but it's about how to achieve the results uh how do we remedy this situation right and oftentimes with politicians it's like well it's policy as opposed to how we talk about shrinkflation. And it's like, well, no, it's up to you as an individual. It's personal as opposed to slapping regulations on things and saying, OK, uh, yeah. So you used to be able to sell those muffins and they're um, uh, 120 calories per muffin. And I see that you've re- reduced it down to 100 calories. Of course, manufacturers are they're trying to put a positive spin on it. It's like, oh, so it's healthier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but instead of slapping regulations on companies and manufacturers saying, hey, you need to go back to the supersize it versions well it's important to consider what the downstream impacts are going to be by doing that because what happens well i'm pretty sure the manufacturer is going to then raise the prices and then what's going to happen will people adjust their their spending or their consumption based on these higher prices most yeah. likely yes i remember those like fun size candy bars they, there used to be 10 in a package then there was eight now there's like six i think i mean it's just it's one of those things you have to pay attention to you have to realize hey the unit size that's why the unit size pricing is so helpful I yeah think, right yeah price per ounce as opposed to thinking about just the price per the just the container that you're used to buying and I get that sometimes it's frustrating, but hey, the alternative is that the price goes up. So it's and we it's, can't afford it at all, right? It's worth paying attention to, but I also like don't you, see why it's a big political initiative at this point. It's, it's just yeah, trying to gain eyeballs and attract attention. But you, you mentioned going back to I wanted to mention too. Well, you, you mentioned like paying for like assigned seats on the plane. The alternative is that folks aren't able to even afford a plane ticket. And so the ability to make this something that is available to all people, I yeah. think that's the that's the larger benefit here, right? That's that, all, that you that, and I have always said some of those additional costs that like an airline might impose. Well, it means you can get a, a cheaper base fare. And if you jump through the hoops, you save more than you otherwise would. Absolutely. It, or And it's just equitable as well. The ability for more people to fly when otherwise they'd be stuck driving. Yeah. It makes me think, too, of the recent Amazon Prime increase. And it's like... Amazon didn't actually increase the price of Prime, but they kind of did because it's an extra two ninety nine if you want to avoid the ads, which you used to get for free. So these are the ways that shrinkflation is impacting us. And so it's important to realize that and to make changes accordingly. I don't expect someone to come in and save the day on the no, shrinkflation it, front. It comes down to us, man. It's up to us. Yep. All right, let's talk about dupe destinations, Matt. Friend of the show, Elaine Glusak. We've had her on before. She's the, the New York Times frugal traveler writer. She just wrote about a new vacationing trend called dupe destinations and i'd never heard of this before you and i we talked recently about dupes on the fashion front people buying you know less expensive luxury goods that resemble some of those high-priced fancy items Um, but basically dupe destinations is avoiding the really expensive fancy trip but finding a spot that's similar uh got similar vibes that's going to cost a whole lot less so how do you pick the the right dupe vacation spot well, a couple of tips that Elaine offered, which I appreciated. She said, look at the exchange rate. Mexico is not all that hard to get to for many Americans, and your dollar goes a whole lot further there. Elaine, she mentions uh, Modesto, California, to see the cherry blossoms instead of going all the way to Japan or Washington, D.C., depending on where you live. There's these kind of 
fabled places to go see them, but there are other spots too. And instead of going to Paris for the Olympics, she suggests going to Indianapolis for the U.S. swim trials or Cleveland for the Pan American Masters Games. And so uh, there are other European spots, right, that are far less expensive than maybe some of the places that we talk about most of the time. Poland and Bulgaria, she says, are cheap under the radar picks. And so I think the, the cool thing about picking cheaper destinations means that you get to maybe experience places that are a little more off the beaten path. And it means you get to stretch your dollar further and travel more. So yeah. it means more trips, less spending. And who doesn't love that? Although going to Poland, maybe that puts you a little too close to Russia. Yeah, right now. <laughs> but it's up to you. It's a personal decision. Yeah. And that's like the frugal or cheap travel question. <laughs> though, right? How close are you willing to get to an active war zone? To a war zone. Uh, there is another cheap vacation trend, though, that we wanted you to avoid, and that is buying a timeshare for just a dollar, which, on one hand, you think, oh my gosh, that sounds brilliant. I love cheap stuff. But in reality, this is a really bad idea, uh, even though there is an abundance of these things available right now. Uh, and the reason for that is because few folks, they, you know, they don't want the timeshare anvil around their necks. And it turns out the albatross are the hefty annual maintenance fees that are attached to them. And of course, they also allow you less vacation flexibility because you're locked into a not only a specific location, but also typically a, a specific week. But that being said, it's not like they're not the devil, right? Like we talked, well, well, we talked some, about something Fo- recently. Foosball's being, the devil, Matt. Foosball was it? Buy now, pay later, perhaps. Bobby Boucher uh, is what we're talking about previously. But if you love the idea of a timeshare and you really want to consider at least buy one uh, that is going to be used, like on the the secondhand market for just a dollar. And guess what? They're not nastier or dinged up because they're used. They're just cheaper, right? They're just, so yeah, they're just more affordable. Buying the buying the timeshare off the shelf for like what I think the average price is more than twenty grand now that you pay to the timeshare retailer. But there are so many people wanting to unload their timeshares for just a buck that if you literally really, a dollar, if you really really want one, that is the way to go. And you can there are timeshare message boards out there. We'll link to maybe a couple in the show notes. But if that's really the direction you want to go in, um, then that's save yourself twenty grand. Yeah, but and you're just basically taking taking over the payments. Yes. And on one hand, I mean, this is not something I would ever consider, but I was thinking through... Because you're basically it? like attached to it, lock and key. Yeah, yeah. Who might this actually work for? And I was thinking through, like, if you are somebody who might get the entire summer off, specifically, I'm like, oh, teachers. And you know that no matter what, every summer, I want to I want to hit up the beach. Okay, every summer, no matter what, I want to go to Hilton Head. <laughs> I want to go to Miami. And it's I kind of like it from that standpoint because it's almost like a default vacation. No matter what, we know we're going to at least go to the beach for a week. And if you run the numbers and it makes sense, I think for a few select folks, it could make sense. Yeah. But maybe not. I'm just trying to steal. I'm just trying to steal man the timeshare industry. Yeah, no. I I think the thing you mentioned, yeah, the the upfront price tag is a problem, but it's the annual maintenance fees, and you don't really have any crunch those numbers. You don't have any control over over how how much those increase year over year, and so you might find yourself at some point with an untenable spending an untenable amount on those maintenance fees that it becomes more trouble than it's worth, and then you can't really sell it for what you bought it for either. That's why so many people, Matt, are getting rid of these things because they're they're impossible to get rid of essentially unless someone else is willing to buy it for again there's a reason that the $25,000 timeshare sells for a dollar and you certainly don't want to be put in the position of owning something that's worth that much less than what you paid for it uh, all right let's talk about work and retirement for just a second more Americans are saying no they don't want to retire full-time really at any point in the future it was really interesting to see that almost two-thirds of Americans are open to working 
indefinitely. Like there's no timeline. There's no saying, ah, 65 or, or even 70. I'm ready to bag work altogether. They're like, Meh, I might just work until I die. And it, it, retirement, it just the, the way we've defined it in recent decades, at least, doesn't seem to interest the vast majority of people. And man, I kind of feel the same way, right? I'm, I have no real interest in not working at all. Just working a whole lot less over time, for sure, right? So, totally. Um, I, Work I, is a good thing. Yeah. There's a lot for us, aside from being able to provide us with income. Right. And when you enjoy what you do, we're lucky in that regard. Full-time retirement just doesn't seem quite as exciting, maybe, as if you hate your job <laughs> or something like that. But one of the main reasons that the, the folks who were surveyed plan to keep working well into those traditional retirement years, I think the pessimists might say, oh, it's because they need the money, Right. Well, no, the number one reason cited was because of a sense of purpose and personal fulfillment there that work go. provides. Yep. And we've all seen somebody retire and kind of it, it feels like maybe almost immediately they become less sharp, that there's a drop off, right, that, that comes from quitting work altogether. I think money is part of the equation for people, but it's not the main reason. And I think that the, we need a healthy attachment to work, right? And maybe we're wising up just a little bit, realizing that kind of the, the modern version of retirement isn't as healthy as we've thought. Well, it's also important to, to save and invest enough too that you don't have to work in those retirement years. And that's because just because you plan on working, just because you're you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to do something at least until I'm 60, 65, 70. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be physically able to. And it's also possible you'll get laid off and you can't continue in the type of work that you want to do later in your career. But, you know, it's a wonderful thing to have a job that you don't want to retire from. But it's also nice to have a substantial nest egg that allows you the flexibility in case things just don't play out the way you hope. We don't know what the future holds. And aside from the, the financial ramifications, I think what you said is, is so true. The the structure that part-time work can provide is huge. I mean, I just think about even my dad, when he retired from the army, he started getting that military pension. Uh, he still gets it today, but that didn't keep him from going back to work. Like he He's held multiple jobs since then. Some of it was to earn some extra spending money <laughs> on the side. But a lot of it, too, was just to kind of maintain that sense of purpose and finding a way to sort of transition from that, I think, can can take a lot of like a number of years to figure out what it is that you want your life to look like. Yeah. And going from 80 miles per hour to like a dead stop uh, doesn't seem very healthy mm-hmm. um, when it comes to finding that personal fulfillment. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a job. It can be like that. You work working for pay, volunteering, yeah. family obligations, and hobbies. We talk about that as well, like having those kind of core pursuits on lockdown, having things that genuinely interest you. And I think that's the one thing about the all to nothing is sometimes people don't have those core pursuits built up. They don't know what, how they're going to spend their time. And that is when they find themselves completely unmoored. When they when they ditch their job, they're like, woohoo, retirement. Now what do I do? <laughs> it's a lot There's of- almost too much freedom. Price is right point. in Judge Judy, you know? So, yeah. uh, which, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything against those two shows, but if you're watching you know that much tv in the afternoon that's a recipe for disaster all right uh, matt we've got more to get to on this episode including why so many americans don't want to save more on their cell phone service i don't get it we'll talk about that and more right after this asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Back from the break, and Joel, it is now time for the ludicrous headline of the week. And uh, this story is from USA Today. Headline reads, what if the government abolished your 401k? Economists say the accounts aren't worth it. Oh, man. I, get, I just got Those, fuming when I read it. Them's is fighting words right there. <laughs> Don't we, make me punch an economist, man. We, we, we talk about the glorious nature of workplace retirement accounts, 401ks specifically, because they're the most widely offered. But apparently there are some economists out there and they think that they should be done away with. And that's because the tax break that you receive now, their argument is that by doing that, that you're postponing that bill for decades and that ends up costing the government a ton of money. And by eradicating the 401ks and bringing those tax dollars in now, that that would in fact would mean that the shortfall in Social Security, that it could be shored up. And Social Security, of course, it needs some help to survive. Politicians haven't been really willing to do anything to fix it. But in our opinion, this is not the way to solve the problem of the Social Security shortfall. Of course it's not. Of course it's not. Disincentivizing people from saving for their own future, I don't see how that's really of any benefit, right? Um, and while Social Security provides a lovely stream of fixed income in retirement, that's not going to be enough for the average retiree to be able to enjoy their retirement. There was a there was an article recently about, Matt, people living on Social Security alone who hadn't saved up anything, anything in addition to that. And they're living on a financial precipice. It's 
they need help from various nonprofits. It's a really, really difficult situation to place yourself in to have nothing else but Social Security to rely on, right? Even if it gets repaired. Right. And if we take <laughs> away incentives for folks to fund their own retirement by slashing any sort of tax advantage that comes along with making those contributions, we're basically saying, oh, don't do the hard work to thoroughly prepare for your own future. And there are other ways, I would say, to skin this cat, right? And ensure that a solid Social Security system remains in place for Americans. But again, we've always talked about retirement as like a three-legged stool. Social Security is one of those, but it should not be the end-all be-all. We need to have these other factors in place. It traditionally was the pension and then your own savings, but we don't have to demolish 401ks in the process of shoring up Social Security. I, I like economists, Matt. Don't want to punch any of them, despite what I said earlier. I'm sorry about that. But sometimes their theories just don't make much sense in the real world. I, I get this it's the, impetus. It's a, again, it's those downstream impacts yes. that I feel that, that they haven't fully addressed. Like they're looking at the numbers and can be like, oh, if we move this, these dollars from here to there, sure. But like the whole point, like you got to think about people's behavior right. and what it is that they're going to do as an alternative instead. And I think, I mean, one of the arguments too is the fact that 401ks mostly benefit the wealthy. Folks like you, Matt. Well, the fact is, like, the, no matter, even if you get rid of 401ks, folks who are actually rich, not like me, will <laughs> find a way to save money. But what you have here... We are with, rich from with, a historical perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going to... Yeah, don't play that. But when, when you remove the 401k, it's just a very accessible way to save for your retirement that's available to almost not everybody, but almost everybody, certainly yeah. middle class folks. Because it comes out of your paycheck every week, it makes it so much easier, like, psychologically. Yes. Well, and it's just... It's, you don't have to, like... <sighs> figure out oh you don't have to know a guy right. you, you know you don't have to find like private equity you don't, you don't have to invest your money in these ways that require a whole lot of legwork and instead of removing to to options, Tony Robbins route <laughs> in, instead of re removing options for the table let's find ways to increase the options and specifically making this more of a default option for folks and that's what we've seen yeah. in recent years when you have the majority of middle class folks when they're the majority of their wealth aside from their primary residence is tied up in 401ks you're removing like you said one of the one of the major legs to the stool and honestly that just feels like a massive step backwards yeah. it's, it's a step in the wrong direction yeah okay so on the topic of demolishing 401ks it's it's not just economists that want to do this we actually do this to ourselves uh there's <laughs> we shoot ourselves in the foot we do we do <laughs> so let me explain what i mean like uh, uh, about wreaking havoc on your own retirement account and basically it's when people decide to raid their 401k account for cash and matt it typically happens the overwhelmingly, it's not usually, oh, hey, I'm employed, I'm doing great, I'm just going to take a 401k loan, although that does happen. It often happens when there's a, a job change and people just cash out their 401k completely. And this is what uh, uh, experts have called 401k leakage, which is, I think, a good a good way to describe it. Uh, but, sounds like a medical term. But it's, it's almost worse than leakage for, for the most <laughs> part because a lot of people cash it out altogether. It's almost like breaking your piggy bank and taking all that money and going to spend it uh, immediately. And this not only harms people's ability to save for retirement because, hey, guess what? You just raided the whole account. But it also creates a taxable event, which is a double whammy. So there's an interesting solution being proposed to this. The top six 401k administrators are making it easier for individuals to auto port smaller accounts so that folks aren't tempted to tap those accounts when they're changing jobs, right? It's kind of like a lost and found for your 401k, which I dig because the key to your long-term financial success is to avoid tapping retirement funds earlier. And it might seem like, oh, this is just four or five grand. Why leave it here with my old employer? Why keep a record-keeping nightmare on my hands? Uh, or why transfer it to my new employer? Like, I'm just going to take this money and run. But that money matters. And that money working for your future matters. Not to mention, you got to plan ahead for that tax bill. So I, I like seeing this. I'm curious to see how it gets implemented and how many folks it actually helps. But this I is, bet it'll help a lot. I hope so. And I, I think it will. And I think it's really important for everybody out there to know when you switch jobs, 
you can leave your 401k typically unless it's like really really small with your with your old employer or you can roll it over into an ira but the thing you don't want to do is cash it out i think the key part of that is what you said was uh, that they're going to set up these auto ports yeah again set up the defaults to work in the favor of the investors when the default option is that oh this money is going to go you're not going to spend this money you're not and therefore you won't be taxed on it it's going to continue to grow that's what we like seeing these small nudges that are pointing folks uh in the right direction they're subtle as opposed to burning the whole system down yeah. <laughs> all right now you're talking about like university of chicago economists that whole nudge thing which i do exactly like, yeah. all right uh let's talk about one of our favorite ways to save money every single month joel and that's via the mvno that you and i are both a part of Ooh. specifically mint mobile tell people what mvno stands it's a for, mobile virtual network operator took me a second to think about it. But there is a new YouGov survey, and they find that not enough Americans are willing to jump on the MVNO train. Only 8% of those surveyed already have an MVNO as their carrier. 29% said that they are likely to switch, but everyone else, they don't seem to be interested, which really bums us out. Because there's just massive savings in going with a non- name brand cell phone carrier. Uh, obviously, they're not going to have the same brand recognition. They might not have advertised during the Super Bowl last right. weekend. But that doesn't mean that they're janky. It doesn't mean that they come with inferior service. It's literally the exact same coverage. Like, we are with Mint. It's the same coverage as T-Mobile. And you can save a significant amount on a recurring basis. You're able to, like, literally cut that cell phone bill down to something like $15 to $25 a month, depending on how much data you're receiving. So wanted to remind folks that this is a great way to save a ton of money. We'll link to an article in the show notes. Yeah, if your favorite cell phone carrier hired Beyonce for the Super Bowl, there's a reason you're paying more. She's expensive to get, Matt. We, um, was she in a commercial? I think she was, yeah. Okay. I think it was for Verizon. So Boom. I don't remember. I was, I was kind of watching, but not fully I watching. I did hear, because she announced like a new album or a couple new singles. Yeah. Oh, she's doing like the country album. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm curious to hear that. It might be, I don't, it might be amazing. But yes. There's a reason your donuts whatever, and Dunkin' Donuts cost a lot more too now. Whatever company is hiring the big names like this, guess what? You are likely paying for that additional entertainment yeah. via those advertisements, those mint, commercials. Those mint advertisements, super basic. Yes, they have a celebrity in them, but only because he's part owner of the company. Uh, and and there, by the way, there are other great cheap cell phone, cheap MVNO operators too. It's not just Mint Mobile. There are other great ones out there too. We'll link to an article in the show notes for you to check out. But there, the Google Fi is great. Guess what? They don't run advertisements during the Super Bowl either. There's there's a bunch of great options that could save you a bunch of money. Uh, Matt, we've talked about ditching the expensive landline telephone. I don't think many of our listeners fall into that category. I have not met anyone in their 20s or 30s or, or really even early 40s who still pays for uh, to have a landline. But the truth is, some folks out there, at least, maybe the people who are listening to us, maybe their parents, are paying 35 bucks plus a month when they don't need to be. And if you're still holding on, by the way, you might not be able to for much longer. AT&T and Verizon, they're both working harder to abandon some of their old copper line technology, which will likely mean the end of landlines altogether in the near future. And projections are that only 5% of those connections are going to still be in place in five years. So there's going to be like a rapid decline, Matt, in people being able to pay for landline service. So if you like it and you're used to it, well, sorry, it's going away uh, and you probably won't have access. I've been a part of those connections going away, too. I think I think back to any house that we've ever painted and uh-huh. they've always got the little phone jack box. I'm, you just all, like unscrew it, pull it out, cock over the where the hole. That's right. <laughs> like who needs these landlines anymore? Nobody really. You don't. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to be a hater, but VOIP, Voice Over Internet Protocol, has gotten really good and incredibly cheap. So if you're like, I want some sort of semblance of a home phone and a home phone number, well, UMA is probably what you should look into. It's going to save you a bundle. It's going to cost like 
I figured, figured if the price is like free a month or if it's like five bucks a month, but it's incredibly, incredibly inexpensive. Going to save you a whole lot of money over the traditional landline. And by the way, you might not be able to have the traditional landline, even if you want even it. Even if soon. you want to keep it around. Exactly. Yeah. So Valentine's Day, it was on Wednesday. Did you do anything special? Uh, nothing. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Stuff. We're not big Valentine's not really Day people. Our- kind of holiday but if you are single and you're looking to mingle but but you're also frugal well there's a a new dating app that you may have heard of so if i just described you check it out (laughs) Uh, but what does this new app it's called score what does it do that tinder doesn't well you can only join if you have a decent credit score i think the minimum credit score required is 675 let's be honest all the folks on tinder have crappy credit (laughs) scores don't date those people i think this is actually kind of cool it's not that a credit score is the absolute best indicator of how it is that you actually handle money how much wealth that you have but it is telling and there is actual data i think it's from the brookings institute which suggests that a couple with higher credit scores they are more likely to form a committed relationship and that the relationship is more likely to last longer. It's really compelling data to maybe find someone who's got their got their act together. <laughs> uh, but if your score is lower, you're not totally screwed. They'll send you information to help you to raise your score. And really, this is an attempt to get people talking about their credit score. It's not yeah. like an actual company. Hey, who, maybe people will find love there while, I, during the 90 days that this not? is available. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not saying that you should sign up for this app, but we are saying that you should consider a significant other's money habits and just keep the lines of communication open. This should be something that y'all are discussing. And I think knowing each other's credit scores, they can help maybe spur on some perhaps more interesting money talks on your dates. Hey, what, how do you view work? We were just talking about work. Is this something that you find incredibly personally fulfilling and something you want to do forever? Instead, are you like a fire advocate? Is this something yeah. that you want to kick to the curb completely? Why is that? These are all well, if you much more s- interesting conversations than just like the simple, yo, what's your credit score? <laughs> uh, but it's about, I think, what that can ultimately lead to. And if it leads to a beautiful, long-lasting relationship, I'm all for it. It's like, if you want to start your own business, cool. Oh, how are you financially preparing for that? Are you like, you got like a timeline and you got the savings built up so you can quit and go make do this thing? You don't have to get like uh, super, hey, what's your 401k balance? That's a weird question. Like, don't ask anybody yeah, save that. that for the second day. Yeah, right. Uh, well, it <laughs> makes me think, Matt, there was a, a Facebook post in the How to Money Facebook group this week. And I think, I think it was kind of a joke, but it was like a frugal or cheap. The poster basically said, I don't date between November 1st and March 1st so I can avoid having to spend a lot on Valentine's Day. What do you think? Is that frugal or cheap? Yeah, yeah. I would Just say cheap. bowing out. So, yeah, so you're like, completely missing missing out on Christmas as well. I want to break up with somebody on February 13th. That's cheap, but yeah. Well, I think that's if you're intentionally limiting your the dating pool. I would personally. It, it just depends on how happy you are being single. <laughs> like honestly, like yeah. if you're out there complaining that like, oh, I can't find anybody. Nobody's nobody's out there was willing to date me. Well, okay, maybe you shouldn't like limit the times of year that you're willing to <laughs> take people out on dates. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good point. Yeah, but I guess then you avoid having to buy them Christmas presents and v- Valentine's Day. Yeah, if I know when whatever, the birthday but... is too and break up for a couple months uh, around then, yes. you, you can yeah, completely You'll... save yourself a ton of money. It's going to be really easy <laughs> to find that perfect person for you if you yeah. <laughs> impose those limitations. All right. These sound like Joel dating tips. That's Right. Advice. That's right. Okay, I, I want to mention something. The of course the we, we talked earlier about uh, inflation and how the CPI report came back hotter than expected, and the stock market kind of reacted negatively. Well, um, this likely means that the rate cuts that the Fed has been talking about are going to get punted down the road just a little bit. Most likely. Uh, but something I think that we can glean from those potential rate cuts coming at some point later this year maybe <laughs> is is that if you've got savings on hand and you want to secure the highest long-term rate possible, a CD might be your best bet because rates are north of 5% 
from some banks and credit unions still, yeah. even on just like traditional savings products. But if inflation calms down and rate cuts do begin, rates on CDs and savings are going to fall. And so CDs, they're not a great alternative to investing. They're just a route to score higher guaranteed returns on savings. Because let's say our one of our favorite accounts, CIT, Matt, savings rate still above 5% in savings. But if you want that rate guaranteed for 14, 18 months to come, you're going to need to put that in a CD because chances are that rate on the savings account will not be as high as it currently is 18 months from now. Again, this is like prognostication, looking into the future. It's really hard to predict. You never know. But there's also kind of no harm, no foul if you have money in a CD versus a savings account if you don't need it fully liquid. So just a reminder, CDs are a great savings product and they're even more compelling, I think, kind of right now with where things look to be headed. That's right. And you you even mentioned too, credit unions. I think even just saying the word credit union, check out your local credit union. It just sounds dated coming out of your mouth. You know, like you can picture the the old wallpaper and the dingy carpet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but don't discount your local credit union because CBS was reporting that some of the best rates that they found were with local credit unions. Yeah. So like we're talking uh, rates in the six and seven percent. So all that being said, all the online banks are trying to get you there because they're paying. They got these special bonuses. And if you bring over this much money, they're going to pay this much with the whatever gold account. And then and that'll only last for six months, but it might pay to look at your local brick and mortar credit union and yeah. see what it is that they're offering. And a lot of those rates don't make it to the big websites like Bankrate or Doctor of Credit because they're so local. One of the you other, you could be driving past a credit union that's that's offering seven percent and not even know it. Yeah, uh, and, and another, if you do want like more of a national bank or something like that, Marcus seems to be offering some of the highest rates on CDs right now. I think it's Marcus by Goldman Sachs. So it's. 14 month term five and a quarter i think but those rates have already come down it was they were higher last week so it's Boom. yep might see more of that in the near future all right man that's going to do it for uh this episode for listeners who want show notes links to some of the articles we mentioned you can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com you can also sign up for the how to money newsletter there as well that's right we'll see you back here on monday with a fresh episode so until next time best friends out best friends out It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.